One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive & June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive & June, too, is it's a quick dry. It dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So welcome to another edition of On The Continent, your one-stop shop for everything to do with European football. I'm Dotton Adibayo. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Lars Watson. On today's edition, what on earth is going on at one of the world's best-run football clubs? And will Bayern's Robert Lewandowski take out his frustration on Dortmund in this weekend's De Classica? Also in Portugal, the great Benfica, a 7-0 up against seven men, including two goalkeepers... And at halftime, they still don't win the match. We're at a safe distance away to talk about sticking to the rules of football in the pandemic. And whilst your Juve and your Milans make the noise in Serie A, guess what Atalanta have been quietly up to again? So first up, let's talk about Der Klassiker and D. This uh, legendary matchup between two of Germany's greatest clubs has a history going back, what, 50, 55 years now? Yeah, and uh, it, it's interesting. The Klassiker always feels like... It's, it's, become, it's come to mean Bayern versus Dortmund in, in recent years. It's also come to mean Bayern are more likely to win than Dortmund in recent years. Yeah, and I think that's really where... The, the the fit of De Classica comes from because De Classica is Bayern versus next most likely, which has been Dortmund really over over the last decade or so. Um, but Hamburg have been in that that spot before, 
And it goes back to, I, I guess, the feeling in German football is it's always who can beat Bayern. That is the way that the competition is framed. And it's felt, I don't know what you guys feel, but it's felt to me at various points this season, and bear in mind that they go into the Classica only one point apart, Dortmund only one point behind, despite the fact that they've had injuries, they've had a, a really embarrassing exit from the Champions League, which we, we talked about with Miguel last week, uh, and arguably their goalkeeper, Gregor Kobel, has been their best player this season. They're only one point behind Bayern going into this. Now, I remember Walter M. Stratton of, of Bilt wrote a couple of weeks ago, thanks Bayern for trying to make a title race of it after they lost to Augsburg. And it does feel like that, and not just on the pitch at the moment, but off the pitch, that Bayern are driving themselves to distraction. That if it's going to be competitive, if there's going to be something to talk about, is what's happening internally with Bayern. And particularly, I think off the pitch is the more interesting bit of it at the moment, to be honest, because there is so much happening. Of course, there was the whole corona controversy with Joshua Kimmich saying he wouldn't get vaccinated and then him and the other unvaccinated players having to come back from international duty um, when uh, Niklas Zula um, got in infected with, with COVID-19. Uh, Kimmich getting infected himself and uh, getting his pay blocks because he had not got vaccinated. So we had all of that. And then we have this thing that's been bubbling under the surface for a while. Um, the Qatar Airways sponsorship, which is not a new thing, the sleeve sponsorship that Bayern have. And which, to be clear, Bayern's hardcore fans have always protested. They have never been happy with this. There have been banners galore about it at the games, chants about it. And then last week, it was the um, annual shareholders meeting, um, which um, has been spiky before. This one was described by um, Uli Hernes, the former president, of, as the, the worst event involving Bayern that he'd ever been to. Because um, Michael Ott, a trainee lawyer and a, a shareholder, had tried to get the club to speak about committing to ending the Qatar um, sponsorship in 2023 when, when the contract's up. Not breaking the contract early, but just not renewing it when it's up. Now, um, they the Bayern's board said there was no way to, to get it on the agenda. He filed, Michael Ott filed a complaint, um, a, a, a an injunction he tried to get from the Munich District Court to make them deal with it that they weren't ever able to provide that in time. And so Bayern said they couldn't discuss it. And Herbert Heiner, the president, said, right, we're shutting the meeting down. We're not going to discuss it. Hence, a lot of booing, a lot of people shouting Heiner out, stuff like that. And it's all been a bit raucous and they're still recovering from it. Well, you see, even though the off-field uh, situation might be difficult for Bayern, when when Bayern meet Dortmund in what we're calling the Classica, mm -hmm. It's a tale of two number nines, surely. Um, uh, that's one angle. And one of them's a Norwegian, by the way. Yes, he is. I don't know if we mentioned that on this pod. No, well, we haven't <laughs> mentioned it in a while. Well, we're not mentioning it because you've got to mention <laughs> no, of it. Of course. Have that's to. why. He's back. Uh, he wasn't expected to be back. Uh, by well, the way, to all my Polish friends, the other one is uh, one, well, let me just say Jindobri to all of you. Mm -hmm. uh, 
en hallo hallo till alla våra norska lyssnare. Ehm Hur dan går det där hemma? Är yeah, yeah. er det fint här? Som sin music. Ehm he's done me like this before. <laughs> Playing Norwegian records with swears on them. Oh, I've done that on, a lot. On, on I did radio. I, yes, I we did have some tungt one uh, on Talks for it. That was quite I, I, that was quite controversial. I, I don't know what you've just said last, but I would like to apologize to all listeners just to be on the same side. <laughs> No one in England knows what Blanche Hura means. It's fine. Uh, listen, Erling Holland was really not uh, expected to be back for this game. I mean, when he initially got his injury, the, the word that was put out, and that was possibly to take some pressure off him and just to make people stop asking him and stop nagging. But what was said uh, very publicly was that any if he plays again this side of the winter break, it'll be a bonus. Mm. So that, that was their initial prognosis. But but he's been left alone then to, to, to recover as fast as he can. And I don't think anyone doubts his his commitment to to his craft and to get back on the field as fast as possible and and he is back and he came on and, and scored a goal against Wolfsburg and 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 looked good and I, and I suppose one positive for Dortmund is that you always wonder with Holland a little bit because there's such a circus around him whether he is there's a danger of him outgrowing the club and being distracted by all this transfer speculation and stuff really pretty much every game when he's been out he's been in the stands and, and, and he's been heading every ball and he's you know whenever the camera pans to him he's like properly into it he, he looks like the perfect teammate doesn't he yeah because whether he is that or not, he's certainly someone who is just unfathomably driven to, to success, and he mm. understands that the team's success in his absence is important. Like he he wants to win the league, and he wants them to keep picking up points when he's not around. And actually, listen, if you have one of the best strikers in the world in your team, and he's not there, that's never a good thing. But you could argue that perhaps, perhaps. It was a little bit healthy for Dortmund to have to go a couple of weeks without him, so that you put, you know, Doinel Malen into a situation with like uh, he's found. Form. Hey, Doinel, you you need to score goals now, like you know, mm. and, and you need to t- you, other players yeah. around have to take a bit of responsibility, and and like you said, they've not been convincing this season, Dortmund. You, you can't. There's been a lot of like as much as Bayern are a mess off the pitch, you know, Dortmund are as messy at on the pitch, just at the back. Like their defense is is uh, is the AGM of of the, <laughs> the is the Bayern. AGM of the Bundesliga. Like, it's not very good. But they they kind of getting away with it, but they've been scraping along and getting the points here and there. I mean, again, I hate to bring the nerdy stats into the thing, but if you look at their XG against, like expected goals against, uh, which is a pretty decent measure of how a team is defending, uh, Bayern obviously has the lowest XG against in the league, as you'd expect. And but then Dortmund are not second. <laughs> the, the list of players, uh, the list of teams who have defended uh, statistically better than Dortmund so far uh, include Mainz, Gladbach, Hoffenheim, Freiburg, Wolfsburg, and Union Berlin. Uh, wow, w- which is not ideal if well, you're Dortmund. That, and uh, that as, doesn't tell the story. You see, because you're looking at defensive goals against, and I'm looking at what has traditionally been a cracker in terms of numbers of goals. We are going to see goals. Yeah, when, yeah. when the classica when Dortmund face. Uh, Bayern Munich uh, th- this is the stats. I hate to do the stats on you, mate. I hate to do the stats on a statistician. But here's the stats. Uh, Robert Lewandowski gets an average of one goal per mm. De Classica. Yeah. And yeah. Erling Haaland gets an average of one goal per Classica. Yeah. Th- those are also good stats. Yeah, no no one's disputing that uh, Dortmund are a potent attacking outfit. I, I guess mm. there's more rather than, you know, the concern is what happens at the back. Yeah, and, they're, they're going to have to get busy, aren't and, they, in the front and, half of the pitch. And you guys had a really good discussion on this and uh, last week's uh, OTC I believe when you talked about Dortmund and and, and young Mr Delaney was in uh, speaking about their model of, of picking up the next superstar 
and, and well, I think you rightly that's... said the the problem isn't so much their model of you, you they're getting the young players right. I mean, if you mm-hmm. look at not just Holland, you also look at Bellingham, you look at Reina, like their model of picking up the next superstar. They're doing that really well. They're identifying the right young players to put faith in. The problem is the guys who are meant to help them carry the load. I mean, the guys they've brought in at, who are earning a heinous in amount some of money. cases at tremendous expense actually yeah. to 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 be the older heads, like guys like Witzel, Emmerichan, Mats Hummels. I mean, they're either unavailable or underwhelming, mm, and that yeah. is a problem for them. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting what you were saying about uh, Holland before and his just need to win and his need for the team to win. I think that's something that's that's worth noting because the way he has come back so quickly, he trained, didn't he, with the, and um, uh, rehabbed with this guy who trains MMA fighters who has said he's the most, um, Holland is the most motivated athlete he's ever worked with, which is, is quite a claim. Also, Dortmund, you can see Dortmund that on the Twitter. pitch, you know. I can see you can you see can. some of that on the pitch and off it, mm-hmm. uh, as Lars was saying. And I think it's quite interesting that Dortmund Twitter this week saying, "Look, I'm, I'm not bothered about." Loads of fans are saying, "I'm not bothered about us buying anyone in January. Let's let's just buy this MMA coach <laughs> 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 and I bring, bring, him, bring him to the club permanently because it, everything rests on it, and he does have such a such a huge role in this. In in terms of um, Bayern's issues off the pitch. They have tried to diffuse this, by the way, in recent days uh, ahead of the Classica. So um, Herbert Heiner has organised a meeting with um, Michael Ott, this guy who's trying to bring the motion about the Qatar sponsorship, a personal meeting with him. Um, they've written to um, all their members and, and shareholders to say, yeah, well, you know, we understand there's been a, a bit of disquiet, but bear in mind, we kept the ship sailing very nicely during the pandemic and we're still making money and you should respect that. And you're like, well, well you know. Come the, back the, to the, them next year during the is, World Cup. I expect, nice. I expect, you know, their the sponsorship by Qatar will come under renewed focus next year when the World Cup's taking place. Well, yeah, they'll be obliged to, I, I expect, do lots of photo opportunities for it. So there will be absolutely... No avoiding of it. But it it is interesting because Bayern, not necessarily for this Classica, in, in which I, I, w- I would assume they'll, they'll do pretty well. I think looking into the medium term, it's interesting because, of course, um, Hernes is gone. Rummenigge is gone. Oli Kahn is all of a sudden having to deal with all this stuff and keeping Bayern run, running smoothly when you've had two guys who've been doing it for what the best part of 30, 40 years, it's, it's not a given. You know, we, we know Bayern is a, is a club that's gone from strength to strength over, over the last eight to 10 years. But keeping it on the straight and narrow, keeping it moving as it should is, is, is tough. I think it's, 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 it's something worth keeping an eye on. Who's got the tougher challenge? Sorry, you go ahead, Lars. I just want to pick up on something you said. You're exposed. It's not that I disagree, but I'd like you to maybe expand and ask you to expand. You're expecting Bayern to do well in this classicer, which I guess on the surface of it, you think, well, yes, because Dortmund, yes, they're one point back, but that is a slightly false position, I think, if you look at their performances. I mean, of those two teams, Bayern have been very good. They've just had a couple of accidents a couple of times, but as a team, the team is functioning well. They're looking imperious, imperious, whereas Dortmund have sort of been scraping by, and you wonder, hang on, how did they get that many points? Because there have been quite a few games where they've been iffy, right? So from that perspective, you think, 
we're, we're heading for another buy-in tonking of the type that they've handed out to Dortmund quite a few times in recent years. But of course, there is a subplot here, which which is uh, quite aside from all the AGM kerfuffle. Uh, there's the, the the controversy of the unjabbed five and uh, and and uh, Kimmich not being around. And Kimmich missing is a big deal from this team. I mean, it Huge. really is, especially now when I mean we don't know yet. So maybe it's a sort of duff thing to bring up. But uh, Leon Goretzka apparently visited the doctors in uh, yesterday, uh, so there might be a slight injury concern over him as well. So with Kimmich not there, a question, small question mark over Goretzka. Certainly, that midfield is looking a bit. Mm. Well, that, that's that's meant to be the core of their midfield and, and Germany's midfield. You're absolutely right. I think the other thing though that is going to have an influence on this is the crowd, because clearly with rising Corona numbers and certainly rising concern over Omicron, there's um, an issue with crowds in Germany at the moment. We are heading towards the era of more ghost games, more empty stadiums, which is the last thing either of us want to, uh, any of us want to see, but that is the way it's going, certainly um, temporarily. Now, um, Leipzig have, have already played one game behind closed doors. Bayern going forward, Marcus Söder, the um, leader of the uh, Bavarian parliament, uh, said this week, will be playing behind closed doors for the foreseeable. And it looks like, despite there being a full crowd in um, in, in the northwest for um, the Cologne Gladbach derby last week, um, it looks like it will be limited to a third of capacity this game, which is is not empty. But I think playing in front of a a full Westfalen, which would be an advantage to to Dortmund, an advantage that you know any advantage is a good one in their situation because you know they don't have the same means as Bayern to have it slashed a bit. I. I do think is 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 a bit of an issue. I mean, what they've done this week is it was sold out. They've cancelled all the tickets, and you have to reapply for a, a limited number of tickets, which could yet be further reduced before Saturday. Of Je- course. Well, we should keep an eye on that because, of course, what happens in Germany, if the recent history tells us anything, is going to happen elsewhere in Europe in terms yeah. of uh, football capacities. Although there is uh, another twist to this De Classica which, of course, is uh, one of those two centre-forwards has played for both teams and scored against the other team, mm. and that's Mr Lewandowski. I wondered, though, what I was going to ask, when you were talking about um, partly the the model, which seems unsustainable, to always sort of replenish yourself with new talent to the level to the level of, you know, your Jude Bellingham's and um, your... Thing is, Erling Haaland, I was going to say. Thing is, it's the only model, really. I mean, it's just a question of whether you want to buy very young players who you think can become the best in the world, or you want to buy slightly older players who the biggest clubs don't want. I mean, financially, Dortmund can compete with with the top sort of six, seven, eight clubs in Europe, no matter what they do. So, but, uh, so but it's, it's not uh, the only model because you said you accepted that Dortmund have got these other players, these more veteran yes. players, uh, and, and, and having them a very, very vast uh, salary to be able to make sure that model works. Vast compared to, to what Gladbach and uh, Hoffenheim can pay, mm. but not vast compared to what Bayern can pay. And if they were good enough to play for a team like Bayern, they wouldn't be a Dortmund. Just very so, quickly, I mean, there's, oh, there's a hierarchy like in, in football. And you can get it right. Sometimes players are sort of misjudged by the market, and sometimes you get players who are the bigger clubs discard for, for dumb reasons. But by and large, I mean, the, the people running the bigger clubs usually know what they're doing in terms of talent identification. And so for Dortmund, 
it's not just it's often portrayed as ideology like we want the young players because the young players are great for Dortmund it is also their best chance at having albeit briefly some of the best players in the world at their club because you can't sign them when they're at their peak What on earth is happening in the Portuguese league? <laughs> there was a match uh, just earlier this week that, well, Benfica were up 7 0 at half time and they still didn't win the match. And that doesn't give any explanation to no. the background of this, but perhaps you'd like to. Belenenses had two goalkeepers. Yeah, they did. Well, I you'd mean, think they'd they, managed to keep a clean sheet under those circumstances. <laughs> there could be an argument for playing yeah. two goalkeepers against Benfica, such as the financial gulf between them, them and some of the I think one of them will get a red card, teams. won't they, handball? <laughs> well, that's it. I, I, I mean, what happened, to, to, to recap for, for those who might have missed the story, uh, Belenenses um, SAD, as we will um, come back to in a minute. SAD, indeed. <laughs> um, they... Um, had a corona outbreak, so which they informed the league of um, before the game. So with um, 16 or 17 out, they started their game against Benfica, which was allowed to go ahead on the Saturday with nine players, two, two of which were goalkeepers, a, a goalkeeper in and a, a goalkeeper out against a club in Benfica um, that has, what I know, 50 times the budget they do. It's, 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 it's enormous, the difference. Um, they also managed to score an own goal 25 seconds in, uh, which wasn't, wasn't, wasn't the perfect start. Yeah, it's fair to say. I mean, they were trying to keep it tight and hit them on the counter and uh, <laughs> yeah. which just didn't come th- off. There were limited opportunities to do with a 5-3-0 formation. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> any, any, anyway, it's 7-0 it's, it's at half time. Um, only seven of the nine players come back out for the second half. Now, what happens is um, when Belenenses kick off for the second half, seven nil down, um, player one taps it to player two, back to player three, who, you know, when you have someone in the centre circle who sort of launches it forward into the corner, sort of rugby style. It was actually the outfield goalkeeper who did this, whacks it into the corner, goes down, holding his calf, I can't carry on. Obviously, they go down to six at that point. The referee has to abandon the game. And it, are those the rules when it goes down to six. Yeah, when it when it when it, when it when it goes down to six. I mean, you shouldn't he have done that straight away, like after kickoff, and then I mean, the walkover is what five nil or something. Three, so, into three. Yeah. So in terms of goal difference, I mean, that would have been a lot better. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why anyone ever thought this 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 game could finish. I mean, some of these players were under twenty three players when Belenenses originally informed the league that, that they were they were going to have a, a problem with this fixture um there were not only the positive cases quarantined but um some who were quarantined due to contact tracing and it was only due to a couple of those being released that they could make the nine so the league trying to pin this on Belenenses who they, the league have insisted um well they never asked us to postpone the game it's your competition it's up to you to make the decision. 
And there's been considerable feeling that TV money and betting sponsorship had strongly influenced um, the desire to to, to, to to carry on with this oh, and, right. and and to, to to not refund tickets and right. so all that sort of stuff. Now you see uh, Rui Pedro Suarez, who's the president of Belenenses, leaving the pitch at, uh, when this, this this was called off in in tears. They have come out and not just disputed the league's version of events. So it was in tears. Yeah, it's only seven nil, was it? Well, one, no, no it's, it's more the embarrassment. It's, it's more the embarrassment to the league, not the result. That you can have a oh, game that kicks off hmm. with nine players. Now, the league's um, COVID protocol says if you've got eight, you can play. So there was a protocol in place. It's just a terrible one, it's and it's a, it's a terrible one hmm. from. Last year, when uh, when when the pandemic originally happened in 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 2020, so but basically um, the 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 league have said that um, uh, Belenenses uh, didn't didn't try and call the game off, so it's their fault. Um, Belenenses have looked at it and said, well, the league who have started a disciplinary process to see if Belenenses or even Benfica are responsible for going ahead with this to abdicate their own responsibility, which I find remarkable. I mean, they sent an email, Belenenses, to um, the league to say this is the situation. Um, what they got back was not an email reply, but a WhatsApp to the president, to Mr. Suarez, going, well, these are the eight players we think you've got available, so we think you should get on with it. And obviously he has receipt of that. The way the league are dealing with this is a- a- an embarrassment. And you know there are there are other aspects to this as well, because it doesn't reflect well on Portuguese football in general. Because well, Belenenses, it doesn't reflect well on Benfica. You know, a, a club of their stature playing against uh, a, deplete, a team of depleted yeah, numbers. Is, is there a case to be made? Then banging in the goals is, as if you know we're we're really having. We've got a match well, on here. They didn't Come take their shirts off while they were celebrating. I mean, that would have been very funny. Like, do really elaborate celebrations, like the one with the fish and all of that. And, and they did slow down the celebrations after about four or five goals up. I, I, I do get that. But, you know, it's embarrassing, isn't it? You're a professional footballer but, coming out to play a team that couldn't possibly beat you. Yeah, but I, I guess there's a case to be made, Andy, that even though the, the league was dealing with this very dreadfully, maybe Benfica should have just said, this is nonsense, let's not play this game. Yeah, I, I think the the way that you're drilled in Portugal is A, to be suspicious of the authorities and B, to know that you cannot afford to put a foot wrong, especially this season when the gap between the top three and the rest is absolutely historic, which makes for a great title race between the three teams who always contest the title. But I think that they're in the mindset of, We've just got to turn up and do our job, however difficult the situation. Fair because enough. because we can't um, be penalised for this. And I think that's fair enough. Now, we saw George Jesus with his head in his hands by the touchline, mm. on the touchline going, what on earth is, is, is going on here for the second time in a week um, after Seferovic's <laughs> miss at the... Uh, <laughs> 
Except this Nolly. time, it was too many goals from Seferovic was yeah, the problem. Exactly. Can't do anything right, that guy. <laughs> he can't. He can't hit a happy medium. But I mean, you said they, they they turned up and did their job. I mean, they didn't have to field their strongest eleven here. Let's be fair. Like you didn't have or to. Didn't have to field eleven. Darwin Nunes didn't have to. Nunes didn't have to start. You know, Julian Weigel, Seferovic. Like Vertonghen started. Why don't you give him a rest? He's a hundred years old. Like this is uh, at halftime. They brought on Adel Tarap to do some nutmegs, I guess, which is the the correct thing to do oh, in this well, situation. Wait, is he still playing? Of well, course. After, 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 after they brought uh, after his appearance at, at, at Barcelona earlier in the week, <laughs> yeah, that was a I, weird I, one. I, I think that it could have been said to you know it being a conciliatory gesture. Just but, the, but the, the him the trying other, to hold off a Barcelona player and just elbowing him in the face and giving away a foul. That was very eccentric the, behavior. The, the, the other the other interesting thing is where Belenenses are because I called them at the beginning uh, Belenenses SAD which is the abbreviation for the, the, the equivalent of a PLC in, in Portugal PLC so, rather than FC AFC yes oh, be, really? be, because going back a couple of years there's a schism between the sporting side of Belenenses and the PLC Ugh. so the the equivalent of the PLC the SAD they retain the place in the top division Belenenses, other Belenenses, play in the third tier, the sporting side of them, play in the third tier. And they play at the Rostello, um, back in Berlin, the traditional stadium of the first team, where they played Bayern Munich in in, in, in the UEFA Cup and all, all that sort of stuff. They've got this incredible history there. And so one of the interesting comments out, out of the back of this was Belenenses, who still play at Rostello, now, this Belenenses, BSAD, who lost 7-0 to Benfica, they play at Jamor, which is the, the national stadium, slightly outside the, 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 the centre of Lisbon. Now, Belenenses, Os Belenenses, they have come out and said, well, uh, BSAD are embarrassing the name of this club. So that's the other angle to it. <laughs> Just when you thought it couldn't get any weirder. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's, a, there's a second team that, well, obviously I couldn't lend them any players for uh, ethical reasons. But uh, I remember where Man United fans used to say that about the other lot uh, once upon a time. Anyway, the city of Manchester continues. We do need a reference. And by the way, I do remember you telling us about Adel Tourette playing. So I was only joking. He's, he's found himself. He's, yeah, he's having no, a great time. We had that conversation a few weeks back. Uh, but I was just trying to help you out with your yeah. with your jokes. I actually, I actually spoke to yeah, I actually, I spoke to someone who who knows him quite well not that long ago, who says he's really like cleaned his act up and, and uh, is shall we say more focused off the pitch than than he used to be. Yeah, Br- like, Bruno Bruno Large revived his career at Benfica. Actually, uh, I suppose it's certainly one of those things where maybe the penny finally dropped and he looked at his birth date and you know just realised I don't have that many years left it doing this. A, a couple of years in the reserves at Benfica will do that. Too. <laughs> yes, when the penny finally drops, or is it? I, it's not pennies anymore, is it? They're, I can tell you with my knowledge of Portuguese Portuguese cuisine and Portuguese wine, I would not become healthier if I moved to Lisbon. No, <laughs> Quite no, no. the opposite, my no, friend. No. A lot of salt. You get kidney stones, no doubt. Anyway, but there, we do need a little bit of Scandinavian wisdom or Nordic wisdom on this, though. What should they have done? How would they have done it in Norway if a team then signed up or you know, started off the game saying that we're down... I don't think we would have gotten to that because as, as much as, you know... Every, I, th- I think most countries, people are unhappy with their FAs for various reasons. I'm, I'm not going to say our FA is perfect and do everything right and whatever, but I don't think 
we would have ever gotten to this point where where we would have said, well, you don't have enough players, but, you know, off you go. Uh, I, I don't think that would have actually happened. Because once upon a time, certainly in cup, cup competitions, despite the... Uh, the players that you register at the beginning of the season, if you do have a problem. Do you remember when Wickham Wanderers had that problem with the FA Cup and there was that um, Roy Essendo that came on that they literally just went on social media or whatever? Or... Uh, it wasn't social media in those days. It was uh, teletext. <laughs> <laughs> teletext. Indeed. Yeah, do you know what that is, kids? Trust me. Anyway, and, and they managed to get a player to come in and stand in because they were short of a centre forward because somebody had gone down with an injury. And it wouldn't have made a great cup competition if they were to play without a centre-forward. Are you thinking that that's the only thing that could have made this situation more well, embarrassing if it had been two no. fans <laughs> I was to make thinking, the 11? But you would have thought that the sensible thing would be to say to the Portuguese, um, the Portuguese authorities say, look, because of coronavirus, we are going to relax the rules on you being able to Adopt a player to face just one match or whatever. That would have been the sensible thing, wouldn't it? You see, what you're doing is you're attaching the concept of um, Logic. common sense <laughs> to Portuguese football yeah. governance. That's why I studied Not philosophy, gonna happen. Mate. I just think uh, Adel Tarap should have played the entire game for Belenenses. Korkunç bir maç bugün. Ceza sahası için ikinci gol şansı. Fark iki çıkıyor. Seferovic 2-0 yaptı. Belenenses Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I do love it when um, when you look at the great European leagues and you see one of the unusual suspects lurking in the shadows like Leicester City to win the title. And it seems like that's what you could argue is happening in Italy. Well, I sort of wonder if we're not giving Atalanta enough love because they're a team who have still a bottom half wage budget 
in Serie A, but have established themselves quite firmly in the, in, in the top four. They look of, good. Of, of Italy. They look good. That they, they do, and they had a, a tricky start to this season. And yet, now they're absolutely flying. Last weekend, they won at Juventus, and they didn't steal it. They deserved to with another really good finish by Duvan Zapata. Um, they, Viva Zapata! Exactly. <laughs> they hammered um, Venezia in the week, which you would expect them to do with uh, Mario Pasalic hat-trick. And he's, he's playing very well at the moment. Of course, he was on the books at Chelsea for absolutely ages. And I just think we've almost come to take um, Atalanta, A, being very entertaining, and B, getting excellent results. They're already, what, six points clear in fourth place? And obviously, Roma having a mini implosion has, has, has sort of fueled that a little bit. And Juventus struggling a bit has, has, has fueled that as well. But I, I just think we can't reiterate enough what an incredible job Giampiero Gasparini and his team have done. Because I think there are loads of factors to this. Not only are we assuming that them finishing top four or competing top four or even competing for the title, which, you know, they finished second last season and they, they, they could certainly do that. Um, we, t- we take that as a given now, which is wrong. I don't, I don't think we should take that no, as a given. I don't think we take it as a given, Andy. I, th- I, think, I think a lot of people do, do say... Dumb a- people. A- Atalanta are, uh, are a top four team now. Um, we assume a certain level from them. We assume even a certain level in the Champions League from them. And not it's not only the wage bill. I think it, you, you look at everything that's happened to them over the last year and a half. The fact that... Um, Bergamo was one of the places in Europe first hit and most badly hit by COVID. That very well, mm. actually. I think it was the first. Yeah. That's when the, the police literally locked down that entire region. Yeah, terribly so. And so there's been a, a big emotional fallout from that. Um, you've got the... Then on top of that, you've got the... Um, not getting through to the Champions League semi-final later Ooh. that year. They were beaten out by um, Paris Saint-Germain just at the end. And again, that could have felt like the end of an era. You have the very painful loss of club totem Papu Gomez after his fallout with coach and president. Now at Sevilla, of course. And also, I don't think you can underrate the fact that, you know, they've always had this great academy Atalanta and added smart signings around it. A lot of those recent signings haven't really come off that well. I think you look at um, Alexei Miranchuk. Mm. You look at um, Kovalenko, who's um, gone off on loan to Spezia. You, I, th- I think you even look at Cope Miners, who was really sad to leave the Netherlands and has a bit, a bit of a tricky start, though he did score his first goal for the club um, against Venezia this week. So maybe that will be the start for him. So, and, and then you've got the fact that no one apart from Zapata was scoring goals at the start of the season. Now Pasilic on the back of that hat-trick, I mean, he's up to, I think, seven in the league. So they've started to mount that up. But Luis Muriel's not hit his best so far this season. Josip Pilicic, in terms of fitness, is always a bit of a mixed bag. So... There are a few things that have gone wrong for them. They've had an absolute catalogue of injuries in defence 
And yet here they are, challenging again. It's remarkable. They are remarkable. And I guess it's it's worth talking about Gasparini again. He signed a new contract this week. And we do get questions occasionally from, from listeners on why Gasparini isn't regularly in the frame for, for bigger jobs. And having signed a contract this week, I suppose, is a very strong signal for him that from him that he's very happy and comfortable where he is. And I do wonder, there are a couple of things here. First of all, is that, I mean, I suppose you would imagine he got quite badly burned personally by the, the experience at Inter, where he sort of was brought in and then was fired almost immediately, like was given no time at all to implement his, his way of doing things. The other thing is that... I mean, Gasparini's system is, is very particular. I mean, they, they play like very few other teams, uh, Atalanta, and it's not an easy thing to go into a new club and, and implement. It takes a certain amount of patience. Uh, it takes a club who will find the right players for you and, mm. and, and will let you develop that. And that isn't something you're going to have everywhere. And it's certainly not something you're going to have at a quote-unquote bigger club. So, so I guess he's just very, very comfortable where he is. And I think another factor of why... What is his system? Sorry, before you go into the other factor. Well, well for Formation-wise, it's it's a sort of three-four-three thing, but it's also it's very very front foot. Like I mean, uh, the, the 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 sort of wide center half will also go, often go forward. It's all about creating overloads on the flank, so you can put a lot of crosses into the box. And it's part of why Zapata is so important for them. And even in periods where not everything is going their way, you can still rely on Zapata to score a lot of goals. Because if you you know, if you chuck a lot of crosses in towards Zapata, he's going to send quite a few of them towards goal. It's what he does. Um, but it's quite risky because he pushes a lot of players high up the field. Uh, you're asking a lot from the central two in midfield in terms of covering the spaces from where everyone's run away. And you're asking your central defenders to be better on the ball probably than what's normal for a centre-half. So there's a lot of sort of bits and pieces that have to fall into place. And Gasparini hasn't been successful at every club he's been at because some places it just hasn't been able to make this work. Now, I, I think another factor here in terms of them being successful is that they managed to hold on to some other players. Like, they have lost some, obviously. Zapata's a good example, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, some of the players that are crucial to the system working, they've been they've been able to hang on to over the last couple of years. Whereas usually when a, and I say this with all due respect, usually when a provincial club gets involved in the top, usually they, they just get robbed. I mean, most of the, their players go off somewhere. But with, with Zapata, who's very important to their system, He's 30. So, I mean, even if anyone who wants to sign him would have to pay a lot of money because he's very important to this team. But also, he's 30. I mean, play, clubs very rarely pay huge money for someone that age who isn't like a global superstar. So it's been easier for them in that way to hang on to him. You know, Ilicic, as you mentioned, has his fitness problems. He's an important piece of the puzzle here. But you can't rely on him to be fit every week. And he's 33. No one's going to go and throw a ton of money after Ilicic. You know, it's a, sim- sim- a similar story. A similar story with uh, with some of the defenders like uh, like uh, Tuloy and uh, Palomino are, are past thirty, so again they're not necessarily going to get tempted away. So actually, the fact that th- these aren't like it's not like Dortmund when they sign like all, all the best eighteen year olds in the world and they run rampant and it's so exciting and then the sharks start circling with Atlanta. They've 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 been able to to keep hold of some of these guys, and that's part of why the success I think is is, is rolling on. I think there is that sense of it is a nice place to. To, to work and to be, isn't there? And Zapata is a good example of that. I mean, he, he said recently that he was really tempted when Inter sounded him out as a possible Lukaku replacement. Mm. But he said in the end, look, I'm happy here. I'm valued here. My family feel good here. And all those it's things, hear all those things do matter. It's mm. so good Don't to they? hear, mate. Because sometimes you wonder why. Why does a footballer leave their comfort zone? If you like, I, I know ambition and everything like that. But so often, 
a great footballer goes to another club and can't replicate it. And it'll be interesting to look at the stats, whether that's more likely than less likely, because obviously the opposite is true as well. I just wonder in a season where... Napoli and Milan have opened the league up and of course Inter have really recovered recently and in, in, in great form they've really closed the gap at the top you've got Milan losing a couple of games recently although they came back and won at Genoa last night because well you would win at Genoa wouldn't you then you have Napoli dropping these two points by uh, letting a two goal lead go at Sassuolo I just wonder if the league is opening up in a way that Atalanta could have a little pop at it this season I, I don't think it's to be ruled out because you just think Napoli will collapse at some point anyway because they're Napoli and that's what they do. Well, they've they've got Victor Ozimen out for mm. um, with a broken three face. With a broken face, exactly. And and they've dropped a couple of points recently. Only one win in the last four. You know, yeah. things creaking a bit. Yeah, I Spalletti, mean, you never know. Like he's a bit of an odd one. He he can he can implode as we've seen. Well, he, well, he got red card last night at uh, Sassuolo. So yeah, maybe maybe this is the, the the start of it. I think it's a bit early to talk about an implosion. Maybe they've just been. I would argue they've probably just been over par this this far but um yeah i i think it's very very interesting serie especially with juventus having basically played themselves out of it already was that 4-0 against venice flattering because the defense the venice defense looked just all over the place i just wonder whether yeah. we, we can judge atalanta were, based uh, on that the canals no, I, I, the canals I, through the defense were open <laughs> oh, you know, yeah, the gondolas were like streaming through yeah, yeah. i think, I a think couple of, one of the goals was the, the little chip from the little dink in from Ilitic was uh, amazing yeah. well the, yeah, yeah, it, the it, chip it, it was it was amazing but i i do think you're right like more of it is about the way that they won at juventus last weekend and i think the fact that they can close out a 1-0 at a competitor almost like that's that's something that you don't really expect they can do you think of them as that sort of front foot team as Lars was describing so if if they can like grind out a 1-0 win as well I think that's pretty impressive and that's with Chiesa you know doing his best to try and bang them in as well Mm. still my favourite footballer I just committed some really bad podcasting there I sort of vaguely referenced something I'd seen without explaining it very well to the listener that's right can I just say to the listener just just really every week on the Monday if you're not up to anything just check out Atalanta's goals from the weekend you know more often than not there'll be like one or two brilliant team goals in there it's like almost every week Mm. and the same was the case against uh, Venezia this weekend. Just to remind you, you can tweet us at any time during the course of the week at Football Ramble, at Dotson Adibayo, at Andy Brassel, and at Larsh. St- I have to say, Stevenson. Yeah, yeah no, no. no, I was thinking Larsh as opposed to Lars. Apologies. Mm, it's fine. It's fine. Listen, I've seen some commentary on this on the internet. You're just you're pronouncing my name as if I was Swedish, and yes. I have no problem with that. Yeah, I don't have a that's problem fine. with it either. I've, usually in this country, but that, that's just pronounce my name however you want. <laughs> you know, it's all good. As you know, Peter is like a Scandinavian name as well. It, I have friends called Peter from Scandinavia. I can't call them Peter when they're over Peter. here. Exactly. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm doing. Anyway, as always, you can tweet us anytime of the week. So a couple of questions on Serie A. Uh, from Alex Small, just how good is Dusan Vladovic and where does he go to next? I think it's an interesting question. Vladovic, again, on the score sheet, uh, this week for Fiorentina in, in the win over Sampdoria. What I particularly like about him is the fact that they're having trouble Fiorentina extending his contract. Um, 
but he's not letting it bother him in the slightest. He's not letting it affect his his form. I think the fact that um, Vincenzo Italiano has created a, a, a more interesting, exciting Fiorentina side around him this season is is really valuable to him. On the other hand, you look at his goals in this calendar year, he's broken every Fiorentina calendar year goal scoring record there is. And I, I feel pretty sure we've mentioned this recently, but you know, you think this is a club that has had Baggio, Batistuta, Prime Adrian Mutu. It's, it's, it's pretty amazing to hit that sort of record, especially at 21. He was great last season. He's great again this season. Um, very intelligent on, on the deck. Terrific in the air. Great header he scored this week against against Samp. Um, I think the, the Premier League is probably the most obvious landing spot because he's going to cost a lot of money. You know, they priced him at 70 million euros. Why would they come down from that? Because he's that good. I mean, Juventus should really, but they probably don't have the money. No, probably not. Not, not even if they could find it, then yeah. that's what they should do. Basically, that would be the Bayern Munich move. <laughs> so the, you, you just want to foster a little bit more uh, love and understanding in Serie A by getting another star Fiorentina player to be move very, to Juventus. Very, very popular. Yeah, in that, Florence, that's, yeah. that's that's good of you. I reckon a, a two-year loan plus a, plus a buy at the end of it would uh, make everyone happy. And don't forget, it's at Lars Severson <laughs> if you want to complain <laughs> and Severson. have a proper. End. Um, I've got. I've got. Um, <laughs> I've got a tweet from uh, Michael Heslop that's not in the script, but I want to mention it because I thought it was really good. Because the listener, Michael Heslop, who says, you've got one billion to invest in a European football club. Who are you buying and why is it not Hertha? Uh, I do I do believe our listener is based in Berlin. So I guess this is something that... Listen, Hertha is a really good shout in theory because there should be a big club in Berlin, right? And there isn't. But as we've seen, it's not. You can't just chuck some money uh, onto it and, and see what happens. You need a bit more of a coherent project but i wanted to answer this question and again in light of something you guys were talking about last week which was i think i think valencia is so ripe for a takeover by someone who has a bit of money and idea what to do with it yeah because that club is being yeah. so under just under as, as far as an asset it's being so poorly managed by by peter lim and and, and their lot now you know valencia is is the third biggest city in spain their fans see themselves as a club that should be the third biggest club in the country now that might sound delusional right now and it has at many points of their history sounded slightly delusional but 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 really this is a big club and the Spanish league right now with Real Madrid not being quite where they ought to be with Barcelona being in state of crisis that league as you said last week is just ripe for someone to come in with a bit of more joined up modern thinking and some different ideas of what to do on the pitch and how to recruit and and just to really do something in that league so if you're a wealthy guy out there who has a lot of money to spend turning Valencia into to a force in Spain, I think would be a tremendous project. So, if you're buying and backing Valencia financially, do you, do you keep Bordelas as coach just for fun? <laughs> Maybe like for the first year or something. What does Bordelas <laughs> do with lots of money? It's one of the great questions. Throw it out of play. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, buy the angriest players in the world and just take everyone. To go to go back to the original question, the the reason you don't spend that million uh, that billion on her to Berlin is because they'll still be mid table. You said it, not Devast, me, mate. Devastating. But by the way, that's uh, at Andy Brassel. And this from JD Cameron. Gianluca Scamacca is in great form for Sassuolo. Could he be an option for Italy uh, come the World Cup, given their number nine challenge at the moment? Uh, JD is absolutely on the money here. Uh, it, I, I'm, I'm on the same page as him. 
I think Skamaka is a, a, a really, really interesting player. Um, early 20s with the ability to grow. He's a real presence. Um, he looked good at, at Genoa last season and there's a limited amount you can you can do there. But in a in a better team in Sassuolo, he looks the part particularly, obviously scored in the winner at Milan at the weekend, scored an even better goal, an incredible finish against Napoli in that, that comeback this week as well. I think... If he carries on the way he is, he's going to be the subject of a big transfer. You're talking about if uh, Juventus need that presence up front, this is the sort of level they're going to be buying at rather than a Vlaovic, Lars, I think, going forward. Well, it's time to now for both of you to recommend a game of the week. Mine, by the way, is the Classica, so you can't have that. Damn it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I can see you're both impressed. Anyway, who wants to go first? Lash? I mean, the thing is, we usually take this as an opportunity to talk about something we haven't talked about yet. But I kind of wanted Napoli-Atalanta anyway, because I just think it is the game... Uh, that are, there's some stuff going on in La Liga as well. Maybe Andy will get to that. I don't know what Andy's pick is yet, but I think you you need to be watching. Um, you need to be watching Napoli versus Atalanta this weekend, just because, like we've mentioned, Napoli have been the runaway leaders, and it has looked early on in the season as if this is finally going to be their year. But then they've lost the inspirational forward Victor Osimhen to what we flippantly described as a broken face. But I mean, he has a broken broken bone in the face, which is bad. Cheekbone. Uh, so, yeah, eye socket. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. I think horrendous. broken face is pretty yeah. pretty fair. So Oops, he's going to he's gonna, so he's going to be out for a while. Uh, that they've already now dropped, only won one in the last four. So maybe it's all coming apart in Atlanta, as we spoke about. They're very good and they're always worth watching. Always worth. Yeah, this is my first language. <laughs> always worth watching. Let's go back to your second language. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you eat with it? Ooh, Napoli. Well, this is very obvious. Like, it, 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 it's a Napoli game, so you got to go with a good Neapolitan pizza if you're lucky enough to have an outlet near you that provides such a thing. I'd have gone for but the. You don't fish. get any free promotion off this guy. <laughs> no, you? no, no, no. We no, were no. just discussing off air before that I've <laughs> what I believe to be the best Neapolitan pizza in London, but I'm not telling anyone. If, if you're in Northwest London and you're in that line of production, make him an offer. Yeah. Make him an offer. Oh, we're going back to Marlon Brando, are we? With Viva Zapata. Well, it would have to be the place. Like I'm not flogging. I'm not like plugging anyone who actually doesn't do very good. Now. There is one place, and it's very good. <laughs> but okay. you know, they're the not giving me anything. I'm not telling them. Been laid also, down. I don't want loads of people turning up. You there. can always overdo the uh, match day um, d- d- dining. You know, you can always overdo it, can't you? It's easy sometimes to just send out for one, isn't it? Mm, yeah, no? m- 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 maybe. It I see, I've been seeing the adverts. <laughs> <laughs> they keep telling me, <laughs> don't worry about that place in northwest London. Come and order a pizza from us. Yeah. And we'll yeah. deliver. Anyway. Yeah. Have you got a game of the I, week? I do. Um, and it's, it's not the Lisbon derby from, from Friday night, which I, I think will be enjoyable as well, even if it will be past a few of your bedtimes. It doesn't kick off till 9.15. Um, I'm going to go for Saturday night. Real Sociedad against Real Madrid. Um, up until very recently, despite a lot of injuries, Real Sociedad have been the league leaders, uh, recently supplanted by Real Madrid, who weren't very good against um, Athletic in the week, but still managed to win, partly through some really dreadful athletic finishing and partly through um, Thibaut Courtois who's excellent again and I think he's the best goalkeeper in Spain certainly at the at the moment and it's been brilliant for 
the last couple of years. Um, I think Real Sociedad have, have got an opportunity here. And the way they've changed and redeveloped uh, Anueta or the Real Arena as it is now, to get rid of the running track and just bring the stands in, it has transformed the atmosphere there. It's a really tough place to go now. Um, I think they can give them a game. There's so many interesting attacking options. As far as culinary options go, Ooh. I think you've got to go the, the whole hog. And of course... Oh, Sans- hog? Sans- Sans- no, 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 no. Oh, right. Seafood. I thought that was a clue. Seafood, my friend. I, I, thought, yeah. you, I thought you were going to go for some seafood. Fuffage to go with the Royal Fiafiadad. Royal Fiafiadad. Well, San Sebastian and... Um, the, the, the Basque region of is, is, is incredible food. I agree with Lars. It has to be seafood. It does. I th- I think you've got to go with some sort of squid ink black rice yes. or something similar. I'm going to go for the fuffies. <laughs> I will have some cod. <laughs> <laughs> This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creative Network. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want truly hydrated skin? Medocia's Body Care Breakthrough Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER.